You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. So this morning, though, we're going to talk about burdens and carrying burdens, and we're going to pick it up in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. And the, the, the bottom part of this uh, section is very familiar to people who, who don't even read the Bible. Most people have really kind of heard these words from Jesus, though they know very little of the context. And so with that, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, talking about how to carry a burden. At that time, Jesus declared, so you want to make note of that, that Jesus is declaring and speaking. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom Jesus chooses to reveal them. So all of that that you've just read, that we've just read together in your Bibles, with us together as a church, is all the qualifications. In other words, the next words that Jesus is about to say and tell us are actually hidden mysteries in some degree that are actually being revealed to us. And so now he says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Do you have burdens, church? Heavy laden somewhat this week? Looking at the next seven days and things feel weighty perhaps? Then Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, he says. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Part of what Jesus is saying is that if he had a Facebook or social media handle and there was the about section and you click on the about thing and there's a drop down description of himself, it would simply be this, that I am gentle and lowly in heart. Let's pray together as we get into the teaching portion of our worship time. And so Jesus, would you come at this moment and reveal to us the Father. Reveal to us now yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit. These words, God, which are, are such a, a, a difference between how the world would have us handle the burdens and things of life. And so we come to you now, God, asking that you would show us how you would have us do these things, that you would be glorified, that you would lift us up. And so we pray this now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Carrying burdens. Carrying burdens. So one of the things by way of introduction to understand about carrying burdens is sometimes we don't carry burdens well or the way God would ask us to because we are sort of carrying dirty things. And so one way of maybe just illustrating or chatting about that is I, I think back to when I was a much younger dad. Now my sons are in their 20s. And so when I was a much younger dad and much younger kids. And so in this one moment, I'm on the balcony of an apartment with a very good dear brother in the Lord and some wonderful friends. And we have kids the same age. And so, of course, I'm a dad. So I'm going to be braggadocious to you as a church about when I change diapers. 
right? So not, not to mention my wife or all the moms out there do it millions of times and millions of times. And so the time, though, that the dad's going to change it, he's going to tell you about it, right? And so, so we're out there with the dad. We're on the balcony, and uh, we're changing our kids' diapers. And we're just, you know, we love each other. We're good friends, and we're just doing our dad thing. And we're probably even bragging about, yeah, we're dads. We're changing diapers kind of thing. And so, and so we're on this balcony. We put our kids, they're so small, they could get in some sort of bouncy device or just some sort of chair, and we just plop them there. And, uh, and then we, we have these diapers that are dirty and soiled with number one and number two. We've wrapped them up real tight. And so because we were used to doing this, so we're holding them in our hands while we're talking on this balcony, right? Because we're used to the smell. It's disgusting. And, uh, and we're just used to doing it. And so that's kind of filthy. But we're holding it in our hands and we're talking, right? And we're, we're holding on these dirty things. And we're on the balcony. We don't know how long we were there. And then our wives open the door to the balcony out there. And they go, what are you guys doing? You know, the kids are just plunked down there and you're holding dirty diapers. What are you guys doing? Uh, you might not know that God has given to men certain, you know, genes in their DNA on how to respond to their wives at such a moment. <laughs> you know this? God, God has given to men when the wife says, what are you doing? They, they, we're, we, in, our, in our DNA, we respond this way. It's a, it's a classic response. It might have even happened with Adam in the, in the garden. He simply, we simply said, what? <laughs> what's, the, what's going on here? What's the problem? And so, so we tend to carry things in this sense that are, we talk about burdens. We talk about even something like suffering and hardship, which Jesus is very much getting at. We're holding on to these dirty elements and we're wondering where the peace of Christ can be found. So unique to, to all religions, unique to God, truly God, is what Jesus has just said here. So for example, if you're a Buddhist, how is a Buddhist going to handle, according to Buddhist teachings, suffering and hardships and burdens? How, what is the teaching that they're going to have? Well, they're simply going to say that the suffering that you have is not real. So think about this. I'm sure that in, as you've gone through life, it looks different when you're in your teens. Definitely looks different as you go through the years of your life that you have very serious, very significant moments when you are truly suffering because life has brought to you a series of circumstances that is that serious and that overwhelming. Are you with me? The Buddha says it's not real. It's the greatest insult. It's disgusting. It's really terrible. So the Hindu says that your suffering is deserved. Are you suffering? Okay, then according to my Hindu teachings, your suffering is actually deserved. So, so somewhere in the cycle of your life or past lives, something obviously happened, and so your suffering is actually deserved. So think about the times where your suffering is actually not deserved, be it some disease or illness or whatever the case would be, and the Hindu would say, no, you deserved it. Somewhere in your life, somewhere in this life cycle, something you did, something happened, and you deserve it. It's a tremendous insult. Then think about the Muslim who says, okay, well, here, 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 we got something better. You get a better heaven, and we know that if God punishes you now, therefore he can love you later. This book says just the opposite. It says just the opposite. 
Since the whole reason why Christ went to the cross and died for your sins was to take upon you the burdens that you cannot carry yourself in your humanity upon himself, going and dying a death that you cannot die, rising on the third day to prove that he is God, to liberate you from all of that. Yes and amen, right? And the Muslim will say, no, God punishes you now so he can love you later. God says, you know what? I'll die for you, love you now, and you're going to love how I love you later. I'll love you right now. So when it comes to suffering and hardships, the teaching of Jesus are very different than other religious systems. I'm not even spending time to talk about how leadership literature and leadership language uh, sometimes is against the gospel and messes things up. I'm just gonna keep going to let you know that what Jesus is teaching right here is radical. You should know that this is radical, radical teaching. might be familiar to you in some way, shape, or form, but it's actually radical teaching. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No one in heaven and earth can say that to you except God and make it stick. And he does. So he does these things, and part of the transformation has changed is that he will actually give us a new yoke, new feet, and new hands. And I'll talk about that just by way of an outline to help you understand the concepts of the Bible. New yoke, new feet, new hand. New yoke, Matthew chapter 11. So very obvious what we're in is this is, Jesus is kind of, I, I take it, he's actually sort of having a paradox and maybe making fun because he's saying, you know it, you know what this is. We're here in an ag area. <laughs> and so, so we have beautiful horses right behind you and we've got all kinds of animals. So you, you know with an oxen, there's the heavy yoke. It's, it's it actually sometimes too heavy for a single man or to pick up and sometimes requires two and maybe three, depending upon the size of it, this yoke, and they put it on the oxen. There's an older oxen and a younger oxen. The younger oxen is going to be tied to that yoke for the purpose so that the older oxen will pull it and teach it and train it how to go. So that yoke is heavy. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, you guys know that, you know, you got to be a muscle buddy to pick one of those things up. You know, and if you can't, then you got to have two or three of you. You know what? You know that's heavy is what Jesus is saying. I am not like that. I can transform those burdens in, 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 in very, very real ways. In fact, my yoke, the one that I put on you, is actually really, in a sense, not a yoke in the same way at all. It is light. It will give you rest. One clarification, give you rest. And, and it took me some time to study this passage over many years to understand. He's talking about rest for your souls. We live on planet Earth. And so there's, there's going to be responsibilities. There's going to be, you know, basic things about life. But inside your soul, you can face life uh, in very different ways. You can actually have this kind of rest. And if you have your soul right with God, if you have your soul having peace with God, it actually affects your physical body and your health. The word here for gentle, really fascinating. It's found really in very few places in the entire Bible. The word in Greek for gentle is also the word in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, where it says the meek shall inherit the earth. And so that word is translated that way so we understand what he's talking about. Jesus said, I'm gentle. Well, the Bible translators say, okay, well, who's going to inherit the earth? Well, those who are gentle or the meek as a way of promise in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 5, 
In Matthew chapter 21, verse 5, this is a fulfillment of a prophecy where Jesus says, I'm going to be coming not on a war horse, but on a donkey to, to, to conquer. It's a, a prophecy of going to the cross. It's a prophecy fulfilling Old Testament. Matthew 25, verse 5 says, I'm going to be gentle and meek and humble as I come. Peter tells wives to be gentle in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. And so these are actually the uses it's very rare in the Bible, this phraseology that Jesus has, very, very rare in the Bible. And so Jesus says, well, I'm gentle. How are you? Are you gentle? Oh, we would like to answer yes, and I hope we always answer yes, but you're human like mine, like I am. And so sometimes we have non-gentle responses. Jesus will also say that he's lowly. And so this word is actually, I want you to write this down. I want you, if you have a digital device, Okay, I want you, if you're taking notes, you're one of my note-taking friends, I want you to write down access to God. That is actually what this word is talking about when he says lowly. It's actually related to having access to God. And where we're here for this moment, the reason why we're preaching the gospel is because he has given us a new covenant promise, not an old one, a new covenant promise that we as God's children can be born again, redeemed in Christ, and that we can have the Christian claim. It's rather audacious. It's outlandish. It's really incredible. We here by the new covenant, the blood of Christ, claim that we can have direct access to God. And that's what this is really referring to. And so this is that word lowly, which refers in that same way. And it's found in other places of the Bible. But again, not many. Jesus here using very unique words. It's found in James chapter 4, verse 6. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Some of you know that. That speaks about access to God. It's also found in a really fascinating place in the Bible. In Luke chapter 1, verse 52 uh, we can call it Mary's song, although in your Bible, and if you, if you look at certain outlines, it's called the Magnificant. And so that is, Mary is talking actually about what God is going to do is he's exalting those who are in her phrase is a humble estate. And so those who are lowly, those who are really to approach God lowly, they actually have this access to God in their, in their humble estate. So you have to understand the Bible is talking about this access to God. There was once a leper, and he came to Jesus asking, asking to be healed, but in his phraseology, he's also asking for access to God. And Jesus says, I'll heal you and save you. How great is that? And then in a really well-known story, uh, certain friends of Jesus, in terms of access to God, well, Jesus is doing the healing thing, you know? And so he's, he, when Jesus' healing ministry is going about, you could, he just looked like a rock star superstar or some sort of paparazzi, couldn't move. And he's in a house and there's no access there to the house and their friend is a paralytic. So again, access to God. And, and we bring people to have access to God. So what was their solution that they couldn't get in the house? Right? Well, they broke the roof. Now think about that. I know that we all have nice homes here, and it's not the same kind of manufacturing or materials or that kind of thing. But would you, in your house, if you're having a prayer meeting, do you want somebody to actually break your roof and come all the way inside? You wouldn't want anybody to do that, right? So there's many reasons why you wouldn't want anybody to do that. And you could start with, well, that's not cool. There's a front door, right? Or you're going to wait your turn. It was the same thing in Jesus' day. Like, you can't think, oh, this was socially accepted to tear apart the roof and bring a paralytic down and plop him in front of Jesus. The owner of the house like, 
Seriously, are you guys going to pay for that? Like, could you not wait until Jesus healed everybody outside the house? By the way, there's Jesus healing days where sometimes Jesus just healed everybody. Maybe he would have done that. Maybe Jesus would have said, everybody healed. And then you would have been healed outside the house. Why did you have to break my house? We know that that's a possibility. And so we have, we have these friends, they tear them out the roof. They give them access to God. There's a blind man who was yelling at Jesus, yelling at him, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And all the other disciples were, you know what we want to do with that guy? Tell him to shut up. All right, because Jesus says he's, on, he's doing his thing. He's on his way from Jericho. He's going to go to the cross. He's told him that these are important days. I'm not around very much. And then there's this beggar who's blind on the side of the road. And for the disciples, like another one. Jesus, just, you know, there's always these people around you. Like, we can't even have lunch or go anywhere. And of course, when we hang out with you, then you're going to feed 4,000. And then if it's not enough, you're going to feed 5,000. And it's always like this. It's always like this with you, Jesus. Tell that guy to shut up. He can wait. Wait till after Jesus dies on the cross. Is that how the Savior is? The text says, bring him to me. Healed. They needed food. They needed anything. How about justice? There was once, it's really not the right way to say it, but there was a woman called in adultery. Frankly, it was really, really dirty John men who set her up. It's a terrible thing. They're going to murder her for it because they want to set Jesus up. And Jesus actually, actually writes probably names and names of all these men on the ground we don't know. And, and he stands up there and he says, okay, great, great. You want to do it? You want to do it? So most of the time on planet earth, Jesus had to restrain his glory. Otherwise it would not have put him on the cross. So I think at this moment, he's going to let a little bit of that out and says, do you want to mess with God on this? Do you really want it? Because I know all of your sins. I know the dirty, filthy thing you did to this woman to set this scenario up, and I am not good with it for any one moment. You want to deal with me? I'll tell you what. He who has no sin, come against this glory and throw the first stone. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm going to go away now. I guess I'm not going to throw any stones here. And the whole crowd, the whole crowd disperses. The woman is there. Jesus picks her up. Don't miss that. Need Jesus to pick you up? It's the right man for the job. What's he say to the woman? Where are your accusers? They're all gone, my master. (laughs) That's right. Because I made them go because you're mine. You belong to me. So you now have access to God. You belong to me. Go and sin no more and follow me. So when Jesus is writing these words, when he's penning these words, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you, what does it say in your Bible? So sweet. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Highlight that as well. For I am gentle. That's what I'm like. I'm lowly in heart. I give you that access to me. My yoke is not like others. It is easy, and that burden is light. So there is somewhat a, a, a problem, if you want to say it that way, related to what Jesus is talking about, because, because there, is a, there is a qualification somewhat in that access, and it goes like this. <laughs> and I... I, I, I would never like ask people to raise their hands for this, right? So I'll, I'll say, you know, something like, you know, who's sad today? Or who's broken today? Who needs, and, and we'll, but so here, here goes one. Are you proud? 
All right, we're not going to raise our hands for that, nor should we. There might be something really strange with that. Are you proud? There's no access to God. Uh, that's, that's sort of like a kink in the hose or, or, or a distance maker, you know, with God. Are you proud? You think you're all that? Don't think you're all that. Resting on whatever it is on planet Earth that might be that which you think you're right before God that's not of God, be it your checkbook, your social status, whatever the case might be. If you have pride, that, that is a problem, and it's a distant maker between God. And that's part of what Jesus is getting at here, as in the context of these verses, he's surrounded by religiously proud people. We also have been training ourselves to not accept these words. In other words, I'm making them very personal, but we actually have, we actually have cultural training against them. So this is true of every form of academic study. In fact, I just challenge you guys to, 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 to find it different. But we actually train ourselves uh, in, in violent forms of expression and communication. So in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s, it was all about cartoons. And we knew that, you know, the quote-unquote Saturday morning children's cartoon, that what it actually promoted in children was actually violence. It did not help for conflict resolution, Mr. Rogers aside and other shows like that. But by and large, the, this material that was given to kids in front of cartoons and all that actually taught them how to be angry actually taught them uh, how to not have conflict resolution. And so now we have things like an industry with uh, other places like a Disney or whatever, of Marvel comics. And so what that's going on with the kids is kind of the same thing. But we actually now have these adult things, which all the studies and sociology and all the other academic studies say it actually has the same exact effect on adults. In other words, you watch the whole Marvel franchise and other things like that, and your natural sort of psychology and intuitive response sociology is to look at weak people and be angry at that, to look at people who don't like you and to hit them and to strike them and fight with them. Because we're training ourselves as a culture. We're training ourselves as a culture to not respond well. And so we come to these words of Christ and we look at those and we have various degrees of training, various degrees of habits by which we tend to reject them. But Jesus' yoke creates access to God, and, and we're carrying dirty things that need to be put down in the right way. So I should have said this by way of introduction, and, and uh, I, I do apologize for that because I want to be in this, I want to give you a cross-reference. I want to sit in a cross-reference here, and it's found in the Old Testament, and I'm going to go into a very unique book called Habakkuk. So actually, this is one where if, if you know your Bible real well, you can get there real easy. It's Habakkuk chapter 3, or once again, if you're a digital device, you're kind of clicking through the whole Bible app kind of thing. Uh, then you can get there real well. But I want you to see this in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, because we're talking about burdens. And I want, I want you to see some, something that's rather supernatural. And in verse 17, this unique book called Habakkuk, the Bible is going to say, uh, Though the fig tree shall not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fall, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, there be no herd. I'll stop right there. What's going on is that Babylon has come to Jerusalem. Babylon has come to, 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 to Judah and wiped them out. And now what we have is a nation of remnants, an absolute abject massive starvation. There is no food. It's, every field has been burned. All the animals have been slaughtered. It's a very, very serious and desolate situation. We can, we can mildly think about Lahaina, which is very serious. I was on the phone uh, just two days ago with my pastor, 
and uh, speaking to him about Lahaina as he's living there just north of Napili, my pastor Ricky Ryan, and he's giving me an update. And so what's going on in Lahaina and what's going on in Maui is that all of the resorts have allowed all of these people into those hotels. Well, somewhere around October 14th, 15th, 16th, or 17th, they're kicking them all out. They all have to leave. All of the hotels with whatever the case is, with their money or their finances, they all have to go. And the supply chain of food and everything there, but with the fire and with the complete social disruption and with all the miscommunication, there's actually no one to work. There's no one to drive a truck and put it in the, and put it in the grocery store. There's no one to restock things and put them there so others can have. Our sister church, Calvary Chapel Kumalani, which is also headed with uh, Pastor Greg Laurie, so things have been so dire there that in, since this has happened, they have actually been at the grocery store and they've actually been actually at the, at the, at the uh, gas stations and they've had gas cards and all of that and they've been buying groceries for people and they've been buying gasoline for people under the Lord and that bill right now is at about $235,000. I mean, they have, they have emptied everything that they can for their community to say, we are going to do this. And so you can imagine, when you think about this, you go, it's just America though. How is that happening? You know, you tend to think when I tell you about, oh, the Babylonians came down and they wiped them out. You, you know, kind of our native response to think, well, maybe these are backward people or third world people. And oh, that would never happen here. Let me tell you how frail life is here more than you realize. A simple fire wiped out these areas, sadly. And then the you know, we don't even know the death toll and absolutely turned everything up and bad civic leadership. And now we can't get food from one place to one place and people are actually starving in a very, very serious way. And so Jerusalem in this context of Habakkuk had a very similar story. But here's what happens here. That was in verse 17 and verse 18. I'm in Habakkuk chapter 13, Right? The produce of the olive fall and the fields, no food. The flocks are cut from the food, from the fold. There be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in God of my salvation. God is the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's or hinds uh, places. He makes me tread on the high places. So that's a fascinating thing. The, the Habakkuk is saying, is saying, well, everything has been wiped out. Everything has been wiped out. Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about the teaching that Jesus has, because Jesus' teaching here is not when everything is going well, although it's great to have peace when things are going well. That's a great thing. But we're talking about when things are really, are really dark and really challenging. They had this supernatural peace from God that was transformational. Look at that phrase here in Habakkuk. God, the Lord, my strength, he makes my feet like the deer's. Okay, so this is a goat story, not a deer story. So if you go to YouTube, they have actually really quite, I mean, I think they're in the thousands of these goat videos of goats jumping on like the sheer rock face, right? It's like at a 90 degree angle. Have you seen these? I mean, they're just incredible. So I can't stay away. I mean, I just, I love go home on occasion, you know, or whatever, I'll put myself to sleep to it. And I'll click on these goat videos. And what's amazing is some of these goats to me look pregnant. Others look very, very heavy. And some are so small and emaciated. And it's like this flat wall and these goats are sticking to it. And then they're going to jump. 
You know, they're going to jump and then they're going to stick to this other spot. And if you're on the couch with me, every time I go, oh, you know, like, a, you know, like, like they, these guys should just fall and they're really high up there. And it's, it's just incredible, these goats. And of course, uh, usually the narrator will come on and explain the hooves and the hind feet and all of that kind of thing and how they're made to stick. And I just think it's incredible. It's just the most amazing thing ever. So you have to think about Habakkuk and what he's saying here, right? Because we have these very dark and negative circumstances, and yet I will rejoice in the Lord, which I'll talk more about in a moment. I take joy in God of my salvation. God, the Lord, my strength, he makes my feet. In other words, he doesn't just give me, he doesn't just give me a new yoke. He gives me these new feet, and these new feet allow me, even though it's a dire situation, this flat rock to go all the way up. And so looking at these videos, I saw this one video that was so fascinating. And this one actually scared me because it was all these mountain lions were climbing the side of the mountain and they were trying to get these goats. And so I'm looking at this going, oh no, you can't kill my goats, right? I all of a sudden made this video really personal. I'm like, you can't kill my goats. You can't kill my goats. And these things are pawing at them. And I don't know if you've seen real mountain lions, but they're very athletic. You know, they're huge and they're amazing. And so these goats are just doing their thing. And so one mountain lion, which does not have hind's feet, which got really desperate and jumped out of the goat. And you could just see the claws and stuck it to the side of the rock. And this was just a sheer rock face coming down. And, and then was trying to, right there, going to grab the goat. And all of a sudden, because it doesn't have the right feet, it missed. And it fell to its death. And the goat went, ah. <laughs> and this jumped to the next height. Part of what the author of Habakkuk is saying, what Habakkuk is saying is I'm on these high places. So what you might not know is that the high places are very interesting. You climb to the very top of a mountain and it's both exciting and thrilling and a little dangerous. You know, you want to watch your step there. You, you want to be careful, but you're safe there. You can see predators from all around and you can keep yourself there and you can see beauty that you've never seen before. You can enjoy yourself in a way you've never enjoyed yourself before there. You can have peace that you didn't know there, but you also have to watch yourself. So these feet that come to us actually allow us to go all the way to these high places. And so part of that, that we come to, it's why we worship. It's why we pray. It's why we turn to one another. It's why we turn to the Lord. Because if you're going to say, how does the transformation happen from my feet, which cannot cling to the rock, to these hinds feet, which can jump higher and higher and get to these highest place? It's right here in Habakkuk. I will rejoice in the Lord. Are you downcast and lowly in any way, shape, or form? Well, then rejoice in the Lord, your God, your Savior. Psalmist calls that a sacrifice of praise. It doesn't deny how you feel. It's not, it's not lacking affirmation in ways in terms of what your circumstances are, what you're going through. In fact, it's a greater and greater validation. Yes, I'm hurting. I will rejoice in the Lord. Yes, I'm actually suffering. I will rejoice in the Lord. Yes, I have these challenges, these circumstances around my life. I will rejoice in my God and my Savior because my hands and my feet will be transformed and he will allow me to go to higher places. Back to Matthew, and I'll simply reference this because it's into chapter 
12, verse 9. So I talk about the outline here of a new hand, not just a new yoke that Jesus gives you. That's how you get this, rid of your burdens or carry them correctly, better said. It's not just the transformation of new feet. That's also a new hand. And in the story here, there's a man who has a withered hand uh, and, and he's actually, it's actually kind of a setup situation. And so they want to know if Jesus is going to heal on the Sabbath. Jesus is going to have none of that. And so this man with the withered hand and Jesus says, stick out your hand, which obviously if you have some sort of, you know, physical issue that uh, puts you with uh, some debility, that's somewhat uh, maybe embarrassing in some way. And so, so same for this person. And so he sticks out his hand and Jesus heals it. He heals the man. The Bible usually calls it by the header, the withered hand. We don't know what it was. And something was not right. And so this, this issue is, is taking it. He's healed. Okay, so why, why did he heal him? Well, he healed him for his glory. He healed him because he wanted to save him. He healed his hand so that he could grab Jesus's hand. Because Jesus is going to walk with them to a new place, out of shame and out of darkness and out of low places and into high ones. Says, let me see your hand. Are you unable to grab my hand because it's broken? Are you unable to grab my hand because it's withered? Are you unable to grab my hand because it's not working right? I heal your hand so you can grab mine. This is why Jesus says, take. Take it, my yoke upon you. Take it and learn from me, just as we've been preaching and teaching. I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. You'll have access to me, and you'll find the rest in whatever you need for your soul. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.